Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters Sports Bar will sponsor your next private event. Walters is located right across the street from the ballpark in Navy Yard. Register at waltersdc.com and click the Inquire Now button. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two-blown save. Slider. Swung on. Hit in the air to deep right field. Down the line. Toward the corner. Going. Going. Good. Goodbye. Bang. Zoom goes K-Bear Ruiz. A home run here with one out of the top of the eighth inning has tied the game again. Weems is ready. He kicks and fires. Check swing ground ball back to Weems. He's got it. He'll underhand to first, and he has survived. Weems is fired up. He's pumping his fist on his way back to the dugout. He survives, bases loaded, nobody out, and put a Houdini hat on the head of Jordan Weems. Wow. Now the pitch. Thomas swings it. Grounds one fair up the first baseline. In the foul ground off the sidewall. Chavis scores from third. Vargas scores. Into second is Thomas with a two-run double. Here in the top of the 11th inning, and the Nationals take the lead. Hello and welcome to the Nats Chat Podcast. Yes, this is Tim Showers again hosting. Al's voice still needs a bit more time. We haven't placed him on the IL because then you mess with the 40-man podcast roster. And who needs that? Recording this episode at 2.30 a.m. Eastern. Meanwhile in Seattle, the Nats won 7-4 in 11 innings. Jordan Weems earns his first career big league victory and this one was no cheapy. He recorded the final six outs, including escaping a bases loaded, no outs jam in the 10th. The Nationals put up three in the top of the 11th, and then Weems slammed the door shut in the bottom of the frame. Washington is 3-2 and two on the road trip. Finale, Wednesday afternoon. We now head to T-Mobile Park in Seattle, where our Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com is standing by. Mark, a wacky and wild affair. It began with Jamer Candelario scoring from first on a pickoff attempt. It ends with Jordan Weems earning the curly W. And in between, you had the two teams jawing at each other on different occasions, seemingly nonstop pitch clock violations. Michael Chavis actually got into the game. Quite the evening of baseball that you saw. This was a wild one, Tim, in every way. And uh, it's so late that the leaf blowers are going on behind me here as they clean up T-Mobile Park in prep for Wednesday's game, which I think starts in just a couple hours from now, unfortunately. This was by far the wildest game of the year. I'm not even going to say it was a great game or that it was a well-played game because it wasn't. Both teams were making mistakes left and right. There was some sloppiness. There was some controversy. There were some weird 
moments along the way, but ultimately, when it mattered most, the Nationals came through at the plate and then on the mound and in the field where they had some spectacular defensive plays over the course of this game to come out on top. Before we get to the game itself, this is an important note to start with. C.J. Abrams left the game at the top of the seventh. He was hit by a pitch in the elbow. Ildemar Vargas replaced him at short for the rest of the way. What is the latest with C.J.? So this was actually the second time he's been hit by a pitch in the same spot this week. And I guess it was acting up pretty good and was swelling on him. So they told him, come on out of the game, get some treatment. They'll see how he's doing in the morning. You know, we couldn't tell at first because he was hit by the pitch. But then he stayed in and he stole second. And it looked like he got spiked on the hand as he slid in the second. So I was thinking that might have actually been the root problem. But no, it wasn't that. It was the elbow. We saw him real briefly after the game. He said he'll be all right. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets Wednesday's game off just because of the quick turnaround and everything else. And then the team has an off day after they travel to Philly. Doesn't seem like it's anything serious, but yeah, yet another layer to this crazy game. They lost their starting shortstop to an injury. Okay, to the game itself, let's start in extra innings. It was 4-4. to The A bullpen had made all their appearances. That's Mason Thompson, Kyle Finnegan, and Hunter Harvey. And David Martinez had to turn to Jordan Weems. And literally in a blink of an eye, Weems loads the bases due to ghost runner, intentional walk, and a pitch clock violation. Mark, a Nats win seemed absolutely impossible at that moment. No, you're 100% right. And look... They've been wanting to see how Weems would respond to a big situation, preferably in the you know sixth or seventh inning, not in the 10th inning and not with the bases loaded. And yet that's where he found himself. So let's talk through this. You have the automatic runner starts on second base. They decide to intentionally walk J.P. Crawford to set up a double play. Now you got to face Julio Rodriguez, the best hitter on the team, falls behind 3-0 and to Rodriguez and then gets called for what I initially thought was the fourth clock violation of the game, plus another one that was overturned upon uh, conference by the umpires. But it turns out this was not actually a clock violation. It was Weems had come set before the batter was ready in the box, and he was going to try to quick pitch him, according to the umpire. And so that's what he was actually flagged for. Jim Hickey got ejected after going out to the mound for a conference and on the way back, said something to the umpire about everything that was going on in the game. He gets ejected from the game. Let's add yet another ridiculous thing to this one. And then after all that, what does Jordan Weems do? Gets a pop-up, gets a strikeout, and gets a comebacker for the third out to get out of the whole jam and strand the bases loaded and force the 11th inning. Just a remarkable job from a guy who has never been in a situation like that before. And then, by the way, comes back for the 11th inning after they take the lead and gets the final three outs in quick fashion to finish it off. What was the exact term you used? It wasn't a pitch clock violation. What, how do they term it? I guess you call it a, a quick pitch violation. You have to give the batter enough time to establish himself in the box with eight seconds left. Remember Max Scherzer in spring training was trying to sort of jump the gun on some of the Nats hitters? Well, after that all happened, Major League Baseball came up with another addition to the rule, which is to say you have to give the batter a chance to get set in the box before you as the pitcher start your delivery to the plate. So they said he was just too quick in doing that. I didn't see, I wasn't paying attention to where the clock was at that time. I assumed it had run all the way down to zero, but in fact, it had not. He just did not give Rodriguez enough time to get ready to face the pitch. It was a night of a lot of violations, as you mentioned, and an odd one coming out of the seventh inning stretch where Jared Kelnick was 
first flag for Pitchcock violation, then after a conference that was overturned. Is it just one of those things that just a bunch of them happened in the same evening, or was there something to the ballpark that contributed to all that happening in one game? It seemed like it was almost every single inning. Yeah, I think it sounds like maybe the clock operator here was a little quick and starting it before the pitcher had the ball on the mound and it caught some people off guard. That one with Kellick that they reversed was actually because the PA system was still playing the music at that point. So they aren't going to penalize him for not being ready if the stadium, I guess, wasn't ready. The sound system wasn't ready yet. So that's why they did confer on that one. I mean, such a weird game. So many of these just bizarre little things going on. Some of it was in their control. Some of it was not. These umpires have had quite a wild series here, and I'm sure the Nationals are not real pleased with the way a lot of this has gone. Well, we're talking about the PA system in Seattle. What's with country roads? West Virginia and Seattle, Washington, not close to each other. It doesn't seem like any of the star players are from West Virginia. Have you figured out how that tradition began? I believe it's Kellenic's song when he comes up to bat. I don't know why it's his song. Where, where is he from? I didn't even look that up. I think he's from Wisconsin. Oh, well, obviously you would know <laughs> then that Country Roads is such a popular song in Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know, but kind of like Baby Shark, it has taken off here because the crowd way gets into it, even to the point where one of those at-bats, they cut the song off pretty quickly because he's in the box ready to go, and the crowd just kept singing it all the way through the end of the verse. Seattle, John Denver, Country Roads, West Virginia, why not? Why not make that connection? Yes, it seems so random. The starter for the Nats on Tuesday night, Jake Irvin, five and two-thirds. He allowed three runs on 93 pitches. Basically gave them a realistic chance to win, which they ultimately did, of course. In his four June outings, Irvin has not allowed more than three runs. How would you assess Irvin as of late? Better, much better than we saw prior to that little 10-day break. Now, this one wasn't as sharp as his last two. He wasn't quite as efficient as he was in those two games. But like you said, he gave them a chance. Two-run homer in the first, but then he settled down after that. Was pretty good. He took them into the sixth inning, which I think is a good sign. He could give them some length. Maybe could have been given a chance to finish out that sixth inning, but Davey decided not to push it, and he went to Mason Thompson to get out of the first of a bunch of jams that happened the rest of the game. But I think there's some encouraging signs here from Jake Irvin, who, you know, three, four weeks ago, we're talking about, yeah, should this guy really be in the big leagues or not? Uh, is he in danger of being sent down? And I think right now, after three starts following that little break, made some mechanical tweaks with Jim Hickey, looks a lot sharper. And I think to the point that you're not really thinking he needs to be sent down. Now, he hasn't firmly established himself as a permanent member of the rotation, but I think he's done enough to say that he deserves to stay in there for a while longer. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, 
IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nat Chat listeners. If you want to see Morgan Wallen on September 2nd at FedEx Field, make sure you visit the Game Time app. They'll sort out ticket options based upon whatever you're looking for, whether it's cheapest or on pit row. Game Time has you covered. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, we all know what summer means. Uh, summer means baseball. Summer usually means more home runs in baseball, but uh, summer also means heat and humidity and your energy bills being rather high due to your air conditioning working extra innings. It is time to beat the heat with Window Nation's summer sale. Save thousands of dollars with. An outstanding offer. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. All you have to do is call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Increase the value of your home by up to $12,000. Hey, make your neighbors jealous. Who doesn't want to do that? Again, the Window Nation Summer Sale. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years. Plus, Two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. I'll be honest. I never heard of Bird Dogs until the ad sale came across my inbox. I was told they would send me something in the mail so I could personally endorse it. It has not yet arrived. However, multiple listeners have privately told me they love Bird Dogs pants and shorts. Bird Dogs fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton, and I believe it based upon customer reviews. Go to birddogs.com pool and enter promo code pool, that's P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off they promise you. Here's the pitch. Swinging a ground ball toward the middle. It's going to sneak through into right center of base hit. Rounding third is Thomas coming in to score. Now trying for second is Garcia. The throw there, and he's out. The Nationals will not challenge the run scores. It's a single to center for Garcia, an RBI scoring Thomas. And the Nationals plate three in the top of the 11th inning. Tempers flared a few times on Tuesday night between the two teams. Can you walk us through what happened there? Because it was, from afar, it sort of was a little bit confusing as to uh, why the spats began. It was confusing to everybody, Tim. I think even Jamer Candelario, who was being accused of doing something, had no idea what he was being accused of doing in the moment. So, third inning, Candelario is leading off the second base. 
Joey Manessis is at the plate. Candelario is with his left hand as he takes his lead, stretched out, pointing towards his left, kind of motioning that way a little bit. The insinuation, at least what the Mariners catcher Cal Raleigh thought, is that he's signaling to Manessis the location of the pitch, where the catcher is setting up. Manessis indeed gets a pitch on the outside corner, hammers it to left field. Candelario sticks his arm up like he thinks it might be a home run. It's not. It's caught at the fence. As Candelario rounds third and is coming home, Raleigh accosts him and accuses him of stealing signs, and Candelario had no idea what he was talking about. According to Candelario, he was pointing towards the base, leaning back that way to sort of remind himself, don't get picked off here. And it's kind of his mechanism for he leans one way, and then once he knows the pitcher is moving forward with the pitch, he then reverses course and takes his secondary lead towards third. So he was describing that as something that he does all the time. He said, hey, I would never be anything that obvious. I mean, it was really blatantly obvious if he was stealing signs. I think anybody could have picked up on that if that was the case, is that I would never do that kind of thing. And so, you know, he insisted that it was much ado about nothing. You know, it was funny later in the game as other stuff is going on, He's at third base chatting and joking with Manny Acta, the Mariners third base coach and, of course, former Nationals manager. And they're laughing and they're patting each other on the back. So I think everybody on both sides understood that it might have been much ado about nothing. The best quote of all came from Davey Martinez, who said, they thought we were stealing signs from second base. That's kind of foolish. A lot of times we don't even get our own signs. (laughs) Yeah. So <laughs> that's Davey Martinez at, uh, you know, 11 p.m. after an 11 inning crazy game. Well, the Nats offensively score the seven runs. Lane Thomas had a uh, clutch double in the 11th to make it a 6-4 lead. And then Luis Garcia singled to make it the 7-4, scoring Lane Thomas before Garcia was thrown out trying to advance to second base. A quartet of Nats players on Tuesday night had two hits apiece. Thomas, Garcia, Candelario and Cabert Ruiz and Ruiz had a solo homer in the eighth inning to tie things up. I want to dig in though, Mark on Luis Garcia, his updated numbers hitting 280, OPS at 709. He's hitting 303 in June. Luis Garcia putting together a very nice first half considering where we were, you know, think about August and September of 2021 to where we are now in the summer of 2023. Sure. I think there's a lot of development there. We know he's a good contact guy. We know he's going to swing at everything and very often does make contact and can be rewarded for it. They would love for him to be a little more selective. They know that may be too much to ask for at this point. If he can maintain a high batting average, they will happily take that. He even drew a walk the other night, right? Did he draw two walks the other night? He did. He drew two walks in the eighth and ninth innings of the first game of the series. So they love to see that. So there's development there. There's still a ways to go. He could be a much more complete hitter, more polished hitter. It feels like sometimes he's too consumed with just getting the bat on the ball and not recognizing when he does get a pitch that he can really drive, that it's okay to let loose with a big swing. You don't just have to flip the bat at it. But I think overall, he's done a nice job. And in this game, he really did a nice job in the field. He made a couple of dazzling plays. He almost pulled off one of the best double plays I've ever seen. The 0-1 from Finnegan. Fastball, ground ball to short. Vargas has it. He'll flip to second for one. Then they throw home, and Ruiz's tag is in time. It's a double play. Although the Mariners may look to challenge the out call at home. In a big spot late in the game, the seventh inning, runners on first and third, grounder to short. Vargas tosses to him for the first out, and you're thinking, well, 
They're going to concede the run and he'll throw to first and just do the 6-4-3. And instead, he pivoted and fired it to the plate. And he looked like he almost had him. That He was initially called out at the plate. Replay review showed the slide just barely beat the tag. But that was such an impressive athletic play. And when I asked Luis about it afterwards, he said he was anticipating that in advance. He didn't just think of it in the spur of the moment. He knew if the right situation arose and the runner on third had to freeze to see what was going to happen, that he might have a play at the plate. So good on him for anticipating these things, not just reacting to it in the moment. That's a big step for a young infielder. He had another nice 6-4-3 with Abrams in this game, really played out of his mind in the field, and the Nationals have loved to see that kind of stuff from him. Yeah, big game. Just a week ago, the Thursday game against Arizona, where he completely misplayed that pop fly in that sort of terrible afternoon game before they headed out west. And I'm just thinking about Garcia. You know, a year ago, at this time, he's trying to make a go of it at shortstop for the Nats, and it was very clear right away that wasn't going to be the case. And then the C.J. Abrams trade comes in, and now he's at second base, and he has settled in really nicely. And I I just don't think that that should be taken for granted here and uh, want to shine a spotlight on that. Mark, before we head out, just I got a couple all-star questions for you because you are at the site of next month's all-star game in Seattle. First off, serious question. Do you think Cal Ripken and Chanho Park will make an appearance at this all-star game? (laughs) I would love to see that happen. This was the site of the first all-star game I covered, and that was Cal Ripken's final all-star game in which he hit a dramatic home run off Chanho Park. A lot of people believe to this day that the pitch was grooved and they were trying to create that moment. I don't know if that was true or not. I do know that Cal Ripken at age 42 or 43 at that point still had to actually make contact and hit the ball the way they did. It was a remarkable moment in a summer that was filled with a lot of emotion for Cal as he had announced his retirement. That game also featured the famous broken bat hitting Tommy Lasorda at third base. He was coaching third and he got knocked over like a bowling pin. A great moment in all-star history. That was a fun one. Uh, It would be great if Cal and Chen Ho came back here to relive that moment. I'm going to guess they probably won't, but I hope they do show the highlight of that one, as well as the Lasorda highlight when they are back here in two weeks. Also, A-Rod coming out and moving uh, Ripken to short. Right, right. Completely caught Cal off guard. He had no idea that was going to happen. It was like he hadn't played shortstop in years at that point. And A-Rod insisted, no, I'm playing third. You go play short. And Cal, I remember saying that he was uncomfortable. He didn't really know what he was supposed to do. It had been that long since he had played shortstop. It's crazy to think about that, but it had really been a long time since he'd done it. All right. Well, Nats BP for the Wednesday uh, afternoon game starts in about 15 minutes. So we'll wrap up here. But one last quick question for you. Who throws out the first pitch at the All-Star game in Seattle, Griffey or Edgar Martinez? I say one of them throws it to the other. Right, right, or Ichiro. I guess, I guess each is Ichiro in play. Ichiro, yeah. whoa, boy, that's a great point. You got a lot of maybe all three side by side. That's a that's a tough one. They are all Hall of Famers, all of them iconic Mariners. Griffey's probably number one on the list. I've got to think, and what he means not just to Seattle but all of baseball. I mean, that's a whole generation. You and I, you know, growing up, Ken Griffey Jr. was the guy. If you had to pick one, I would say it's him, but. I got to imagine all three of them will be involved in one way or another, right? Yeah, I think so. But I think if only one guy throws out the pitch, I think it goes to Griffey is my hunch. I like that call. Maybe maybe Griffey throws 
Edgar is behind the plate, and Ichiro takes a whack at it and tries to uh, beat out an infield single. Or drag bunt. That'd be even better. Yeah. Drag bunt. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, next up for the Nats, Wednesday afternoon in Seattle, 410 first pitch, final game of the year on the West Coast. Get this, 23 of the first 40 row games this year for the Nats were out West. Patrick Corbin, opposite right-hander Logan Gilbert. He's got an ERA of 4.07. All radio highlights are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Theme music, as always, by Tim Newmark. Make sure to check out our website, natchatpodcast.com. Every episode is available, as well as links to buy some merch. As we wrap up here, going to leave you with a snippet of a conversation I recently had with MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis. He's been on this podcast a few times before. More of that interview will air at a later date prior to the draft. But here's what he had to say about last year's first-round pick, Elijah Green, who dropped in the latest pipeline rankings to number 85. He's playing in Lowe Fredericksburg. Jim Callis on Elijah Green. With the fifth pick in the 2022 MLB draft, the Washington Nationals select Elijah Green, an outfielder from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. The Miami Marlins have the next pick. It does take some time to adjust. It was interesting because there were questions, just like we talked about with James Wood. There were questions about Elijah, Elijah's hitting ability going into his senior season. They actually had a better senior year, and I think guys felt better about it. He had the best all-around tools and the highest ceiling of anybody in last year's draft, which is why he went number five. My concern is, is he's striking out at like a 40% clip. Like, and, and he did that last year in rookie ball, too. He struck out at about like a 42% clip. So I'm not so much worried that, like, okay, the batting average is down or the power hasn't, you know, like that takes some time. He is drawing some walks, but the 40% strikeout rate, that's a concern. Like, I, I, I'm worried about that. Like, like that, 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 that is an alarm. Like, if it was 30%, like 30% is high, you're like, okay, like, you know, he's young, he's adjusted, 40%, like, even if he cuts that by 10%, it's still at that point. You're still thirty percent. So I, I kind of have an eye at him. I, I'm a little concerned. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.